Welcome to the second day of August, 2022. It's a Tuesday. The Stay Weather Podcast is being brought to you by Cowboy State Daily. Cowboy State Daily has more original Wyoming news content than any other news organization in the state. Check them out at Cowboy State Daily and sign up for their daily newsletter. It's going to be warm. It's going to be hazy. And we're going to see some active thunderstorm activity across the region today. Monsoon moisture is going to surge in. This is especially true for areas that haven't gotten it lately, like Oregon, Idaho, northern Utah, parts of Wyoming. Going to see the best chance of thunderstorms in a while. We're also seeing a lot of smoke and haze. Not only is it smoke from regional and area fire activity, but there's just a lot of water vapor in the air today, and that makes it look hazier than it would be if the air was drier. This monsoon surge is going to really increase for one day, kind of back down a little bit with slightly cooler, drier air moving into the region Wednesday. It's going to heat up again Thursday and Friday. Then we have another surge of monsoonal moisture this weekend, Friday through Sunday. I'm saying that we need to watch the mountain areas because I do see another situation arriving here that we're going to have a three-day period of Friday through Sunday. We're slow-moving, heavy rain-producing thunderstorms, especially over the burn scars, in the canyons, in the arroyos, in the river, and the creek drainages will be a concern, especially in Colorado, parts of southern Wyoming, Utah, then back into the desert southwest. Historically, some of the bigger, more impactful flash floods in the region have happened in late July and early August. The big Thompson flood in Colorado, the August 1st flood in Cheyenne in 1985. We had a big flood in late July in Fort Collins. So it's a situation that you gotta keep an eye on, especially with it happening over the weekend and people recreating. We have what's called a long-lasting La Nina, or a super La Nina. This thing just keeps chugging along. I'm going to talk about that and give you a new outlook. We're getting new monthly long-range data in this week. Also, I'm going to talk about the Pacific Decadal Oscillation, which is a huge driver in the climate of the western United States. When the Pacific is cold, we're droughty and we're hot. When the Pacific is warm, we're less droughty, we have more precipitation, and it's not as hot. We'll talk about where we are in that whole process. Satellite photo this morning. Look at all of this. Uh, you see the clouds here in eastern and central Oregon. Uh, you notice they kind of look like little cotton balls here. These are showers and thunderstorms, and this shows a lot of instability in the atmosphere. This is a plume of moisture here that started down in central Mexico and has made the long trip this way and is now, this plume is headed this way. We've had rain in Jackson Hole overnight across parts of Southern Oregon, Southern Idaho, into parts of Northern Utah. And this whole area of moisture is headed this way. And the water vapor imagery really shows that very well. Look at that deeper moisture coming around and coming this way. At the same time, there's a little bit of a weak cool front coming on in. So the stage is set for an active day today. Now let's talk about smoke. This is the latest smoke map for the United States where you see those little flames there are not necessarily fires that are burning right now, but fires that have been going on since spring and summer. So you notice that the fires down here are not putting out any smoke. So it's not that they're active, but that's where the fires have been. But we've had the Scotts Bluff fire, the fire west of Scotts Bluff, and then we've had a new fire pick up being reported right here, the Cow Creek fire starting up, and that's putting a plume. So the Scotts Bluff fire, this new fire here, we also have a new fire in the Black Hills, 
that's adding smoke to the equation and then smoke from the Northern California fires coming on in as well as the Idaho fires. Although notice the smoke plume not as intense because of the rain over the last couple of days in some of those fire areas. Here we go with the pattern today. We've got the high over the four corners and then there's that little cold front. Not terribly impressive, but enough to help make the atmosphere more unstable. Set the stage for a more active thunderstorm pattern today. But there is some drier air coming in behind it for Wednesday and Thursday. So today, gonna be a busy day. Here's the precipitable water. Look at this impressive plume of green and blue getting all the way back into California, the Great Basin areas, and you can see that moisture is gonna have to come this way first before it moves out. The brown here showing the drier air behind the cold front that's gonna come in tomorrow. Now this is by Wednesday afternoon. The cool front is now through the Great Lakes. High pressure reestablishes itself. There'll still be a monsoon tap coming up on in, but it won't be as thick. But as we get on into Friday, the high shifts east. As we've talked about in other podcasts, when the high starts to shift east, the door swings open. So the green arrow represents this deeper plume of subtropical air coming into the central and northern Rockies and the desert southwest. So this is for Friday afternoon. Look at the deep moisture. See the darker green and the blue there? So by Friday afternoon, the interior west, you can see with the exception of Montana and the Pacific Northwest there, the air is getting really, really deep and moist again. This is all the way into next Wednesday. So we're going to be in an environment where these plumes are going to come in, drier air will come in for a day or two, then another plume comes in. Kind of this back and forth. Every time the plume comes back, we're going to get showers and thunderstorms. And through this whole period, temperatures stay very consistent. 80s, 90s, hot, kind of humid and muggy in this pattern. This is the 15-day outlook of precipitation. You can see pretty impressive potential and we're really keeping our fingers crossed that this area right here can pick up some needed rain. We would like to see better rain chances out here on the plains where they really need it, especially western Nebraska, western South Dakota, far eastern Wyoming. I do think they're going to get some better chances than what the model is showing. But look at Colorado, look at Utah, look back into the Great Basin here. The next two weeks, there's going to be more rain. Look at even into the Sierra Nevadas are going to be getting some good potential rainfall as well. I want to talk a little bit about the La Nina, the Pacific Decadal Oscillation, and kind of where we're going with it and what we've seen from its impact so far. We already know that La Ninas are a drought signature, and when they're really strong, like we're experiencing now, you tend to have the most severe drought. These are the temperatures for July. This is the July temperature anomaly based on the 30-year average. So anywhere you see yellow and orange, you can see that it's been a very warm July across the south, the central plains, back into the northern Rockies and into western Canada. The coolness here because of the monsoon into the desert southwest. Notice that California, really along the coastal populated areas, really not all that hot in July. Thank goodness that it has helped with the rolling blackouts there. And then you can see the Corn Belt in the Midwest. July was actually pretty average. Now let's go back and see what it's been like for the last two months. So if you put June and July together, June and July together, this has been the warmest part of the United States. But notice the coast areas haven't been nearly as hot over the last summer. It's been really focused in the central United States. We saw this in 2011 and especially in 2012. That was a long lasting La Nina, just like the one that we're experiencing now. Now you may think 
that since January 1st, the whole nation's been burning up because of all of this heat. But if you were to take the temperature anomaly from January 1 through January 31st, it looks like this. Kind of surprising, isn't it? Now the Southeast, Texas, Oklahoma, back into California, since January 1st, the temperature anomaly for the lower 48 states is 0 0.012 Celsius. So let's call that normal. You're within your margin of error there. So yes, it's been really hot, but actually a lot of the US since January 1st, if you add all the temperatures up, hasn't been as hot as maybe what you would think. And it's easy to think that listening to the news and listening and looking at your thermometer because it's really been hot over the last couple of months in particular. One reason for the heat is the Pacific Decadal Oscillation. Without going into too much detail here, if you're still listening on the podcast, this is for the weather nerds. When you get these cold periods in the Pacific, it's called the Pacific Decadal Oscillation. There are warm periods of the Pacific Decadal Oscillation and cold periods. Right now, you can see we're all the way down here with the Pacific Basin more often than not being cold. When the Pacific is colder, this really impacts the Western United States with warmer than normal temperatures and drier than normal conditions. Conversely, from if you go back to this period of time right here, that goes from the late 70s to the late 90s, it was a warm phase. Notice since really around 1999 and 2000, the Pacific Decadal Oscillation has been in a colder phase. There's been a phase change that we're still in. Yes, there's been some cycles where it's gotten a little bit warmer here and here, but more often than not, the Pacific has been cold. This is a big reason why the Central and Western United States has had more significant droughts and heat. It's a part of the equation. And if you were to look, this really shows you where the dividing line is between this warmer phase of the Pacific Decadal Oscillation and this colder phase. Question is, is how long do they last? Some last longer than others, these phases, but right now, if we go back from 1999 to where we are now, we're talking about 23 years into this colder cycle where you have more La Ninas than El Ninos. And you can see all of these really intense La Ninas that have happened during this colder phase. You just get more La Ninas and less El Ninos. More La Ninas mean hotter and drier. So if we look at the Pacific Basin right now, where we track heat content, notice the heat content has dropped again in the subtropical Pacific, where we keep an eye on the La Nina El Nino area. As we take a look at some of the new long range forecasts coming on in, it looks like this La Nina is gonna persist probably all the way up to December or November at the very least. This is the temperature anomaly right now across the equator areas right now. However, some of the new long range information coming in and we'll share more with you as we get it in here over the next week or so. This is the climate forecast system. Again, this is stretching it out pretty darn far, but we continue to see a reversal of fortune in the subtropical Pacific by late winter, spring 2023. We still see it. It likely will happen, but right now La Nina is holding strong and we're still feeling its impacts. Have yourself a good Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow.